Well, just a few weeks ago, I started planting in my UBC community garden. It was beautiful May weather, and so I thought I'd just get a jump ahead. So this involved me taking the seedlings that I had planted at home and started from seed, and taking them over to our community garden just a few blocks away at UBC. Took these little full flourishing seedlings, placed them onto the soil roughly where I would plant them. And then I turned around and just did some other work preparing the soil with manure and other nutrients that it would need and preparing a kind of mulch that I would put on top. And it was quite a hot day. So these poor little seedlings were exposed for about an hour to the full unexposed sun. When I turned back towards them, these beautiful, full, flourishing seedlings were limp and dry and wilted. As quickly as I could, I picked them up, put them into the soil, reconnected them with the source of life for these plants. And when I planted them, and even after giving them a water, these cucumber and tomato plants that were full of life and flourishing before were limp and falling over. So I watered them, left for the day. I came back the next day and looked, and fortunately, They'd sprung back up and pop back with life, and again looked flourishing and full and healthy. And sometimes we can feel a little bit like those seedlings left out in the sun, don't we? Feeling a little limp, a little dry, a little withered, and in need of new life to blow over us, that we could go back to a space of flourishing and life. Where are some of those places in your life? Maybe where you feel limp, withered, and dry, longing for new life to come. Well, we actually want to hear from you. And so we've set up a page at menti.com here. And uh, let me invite you. You can, it's probably one of the few times I'll actually say it, but take your phones out. <laughs> Go to menti.com and punch in that code 13466346. If you're online, you can participate as well. We'll lead us up for a few minutes, and later in the service, we'll actually pull up some of your answers that you submitted. Look at the ways that places in our community life where we feel dry and withered, where we long for God's spirit to breathe. It's completely anonymous, so if you're not wanting somebody else to know what your answer is, it's going to be completely anonymous, but we'd love to see the different places where you feel dry and withered, longing for God to breathe renewal and new life for you. Well, in a moment, I'm going to read the passage for today, which is from Ezekiel 37. Before I do, I want to set up a little bit of that context for you. Ezekiel wrote this prophecy back in roughly the 6th century, so about 600 years before the time of Jesus. And he wrote during a time of significant turmoil in the history of Israel. The Babylonian Empire and King Nebuchadnezzar had marched and gone to war with Israel and had destroyed them, completely devastated their army nearly destroyed the city of Jerusalem, took their financial capital, deposed the king, put a new king on there, and if that wasn't enough, took the elites of their society, the best of the best, the smartest of the smartest, and took them back to Israel. Or sorry, took them back to Babylon to work as administrators, 
and as servants. So talk about a brain drain, a financial drain. The people of Israel were devastated. They would have likely felt a lot like those dry and withered plants as a people. But add to that those who were taken into exile, left to leave their homes, left to leave their people, in many ways no longer able to practice their faith the way that they had been accustomed to. And they not only would have felt likely like dry and withered plants, but to take the metaphor one step further, the metaphor that Ezekiel will use in the passage that I bring up in in just a moment, going to feel like dry and dead bones. So with that context in mind, I invite you to turn to Ezekiel 37. You can follow along your physical Bibles, your phone Bibles, or on the screen behind me. Let's read this together. Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and sent me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy, speak to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he, the Lord, said to me, prophesy, speak to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you breathe your life first over those dead bones that you long to breathe new life into us as well. That you see us in the places where we feel dry and withered or like dead dry bones. You already know where those places are. You care for them. You long to bring your spirit, your breath of life into them to bring us back to life as well. So Jesus Speak your words over us, words that we just read of scripture, and breathe your life, your spirit into us. Amen. 
As I just read in the passage, God leads Ezekiel into a valley. This valley, there is dead, dry bones throughout. And God tells Ezekiel to speak to the bones. When he does, they rattle and come together. They put on flesh and sinew and eventually muscle and skin. But he looks out now into the valley and no longer dead, dry bones, but just dead bodies. The way that Ezekiel puts it is there was no breath in them. And then God tells Ezekiel again, prophesy, speak to the breath. He says these words. Come breath from the forewind and breathe into these slain that they may live. So when God tells Ezekiel to prophesy, to speak to the breath, what does he mean? Does he mean his own breath? Does he mean something else? Well, the word that he's using here from Hebrew is the word ruach. It's a really fun word to say. It falls kind of the phlegm at the back of your mouth, ruach. And ruach has three interpretive meanings. One, it could mean breath, which is how it's translated here. It could mean wind. And the third meaning is spirit. And between these three words, breath and wind and spirit, there's kind of a a common basic understanding that all connects them through this word ruach. And the common basic understanding is this idea that all three, the breath, the wind, and spirit are all invisible to the naked eye, but visible in other areas, in its consequence. We can see its effects, but we can't necessarily see it itself. Let me give you an example. Take your hand, any hand, put it in front of your mouth. Come on, take your hand in front of your mouth. Thank you. (laughs) Low barriers today, come on. Say the word, welcome. 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 You can't see the breath coming out of your mouth, can you? But you can feel it. It's the same thing with the wind, right? If you've ever been caught in a windstorm around the trees, and you look up, you can't see the wind moving, but you can feel it. You can feel it on your body. You can see it in the trees moving around you. It's the same idea with the Spirit as well. That we may not be able to see the Spirit of God hovering even in this room right now, but we can feel its effects in our lives and see its effects in the lives around us. So when God is inviting Ezekiel to speak to the ruach, to the breath, to the wind, what he's saying is, speak to the Spirit. Speak to the Holy Spirit that breathes over us. And no doubt, Ezekiel would have made an important connection connection from a famous story in the Bible back in Genesis on the very second page. Adam, the first human, is laying lifeless on the ground after being created. And God breathes his breath into Adam, which animates him and brings him to life. The breath of God is the spirit of God that brings life, not just into Adam, but into anything that lacks life whether it be those dead bodies lying on the valley floor or the places of dryness and withering in our own lives. Perhaps the places where we too feel like dead and dry bones. 
That God wants to pour his breath of life over us. To breathe that into us as well. And so today we're going to look at some of the spaces in our lives where God longs to breathe his breath of life into us. And how we can receive that together. So let's look first at God longing to bring the breath of life into our relationship with him. Even though there's a significant commonality between those three different interpretations of the word ruach, that breath, the wind, and spirit, there's one significant difference. Wind and breath are impersonal. We may feel the effects on our lives, but they themselves aren't truly animated. They don't have life in them. Whereas the Spirit of God is a person. Third member of what theologians call the triune Godhead, the Trinity. The third person of the Trinity. The difference between inviting the wind or the breath to come and the Holy Spirit to come is that we're inviting the very person of God to come and fill us, not just with the effects of wind, but with his very life itself. That God is the author and the source of life. And we're inviting that life, that person, the Holy Spirit, to come and to fill us with his life. We're inviting ourselves to enter into a relationship with the Holy God, who wants us to experience his love, his life, his joy in relationship with him. Some of you know Karen Lai, who's here today. A few weeks ago, she was baptized right there. And we got to listen to her baptism testimony. In the baptism testimony, Karen shared a little bit about her relationship with God and the ways that she hoped and longed for God to bring refreshment and new life into that relationship and God's impact. And so Karen's given me permission to share some of that story with you. Thank you, Karen. These are Karen's words. I fell in love with Jesus at the age of 21 and was baptized soon after. Sometime later, I felt very flat in my relationship with God. It was very stagnant, very blah. It wasn't until three years ago my good friend said, have you picked up a Bible since then? I said, not really. My friend said, it's like a friendship. You need to put in the work. And so I began doing my daily devotions, praying with my friends, and over the three years, my relationship with God has deepened in such a profound way that I felt like he's right there beside me. When I'm in the kitchen prepping my meals, he's right there holding my right hand. And over the last two years, I've had the opportunity to get to know Karen and see the truth of that reality, the ways that God has been bringing her friendship with God back to life, so much so that she's longing with joy to serve others as she's been doing with our community meal program here at 10th. If you've been walking with God for any significant period of time, whether months or years, maybe you've experienced that too. I know I have. When you look back and you remember the memories maybe of being baptized or just coming to faith for the first time or maybe significant church camp, whatever it was for you, a time in your relationship with God where you felt joy and life and vibrancy. And maybe you go through a season, maybe you're in a season. It feels hard. Where your relationship with him feels 
kind of withered and dry, and you long for that to come back to life. What I loved about Karen's friend's conversation with her is how she says, it's like a friendship. You need to put in the work. And by that, she wouldn't have meant that you need to work to earn the love of God, the pouring out of the Spirit into your life to earn refreshment in your relationship with Him. But like a relationship, you make time to spend time with one another, to talk with one another, to be reminded how much we love and care for one another. If I didn't go on dates and spend time with Sabin, our relationship would become stagnant as well. And so we need to make space in our relationship with God for him to speak words of life and truth and even to pour his spirit over us. One of the places that Karen went to during that season was to the scriptures. She said she renewed her devotional time. That through the scriptures is one of the places where God breathes his word over us. He reminds us who we are, who we belong to, what our identity is. And what a loving God that we have who would give his very life for us. If you're in the place today where you long to have a vibrant, joyful, refreshed relationship with God, call out to him. God's inviting you as he did to Ezekiel. Come breath of God. Come spirit. Bring my relationship with you back to life. So God invites us to bring refreshment into our relationship with him. But it's not just these quote-unquote spiritual places where God wants to bring us back to life. In the passage, God is prophesying to Ezekiel that they would come back to life, not just spiritually, but he's talking to a bunch of exiles who live in Babylon, that they would return back to their homeland, back to their families, to the ability to worship the ways that they remember. That God would bring them back from a place of hopelessness, devastation, and destruction back to a new hope and to a new life. That God longs to bring joy and refreshment into other areas of our life as well. Earlier, I asked you what were some of the spaces in your own life where you longed to see refreshment, where you felt dry and withered. And let me invite our production team to throw it up now. Maybe dim the lights a little bit so people in the back can see. Some of the different spaces where you, 10th Church, long to see refreshment and new life to come through God. Work. Your career. Two of the biggest ones where you long for God to bring new life. Family. Friendships, devotional time, prayer life, relationships, marriage, finances, prayer, home, more work life, and tons that even I can't read, even though I'm like four feet away. <laughs> Tenth church, God longs to bring refreshment and new life into these areas too. God longs to bring refreshment and renewal into your work life, into your family life, with your kids, with your parents, and even with your marriages. Back in February and March, we ran the marriage course here at 10th, and I got to teach as a part of that. And in the marriage course, part of the purpose of it was to help equip and encourage couples who are married, both who are in a good place, but especially ones who feel like in their marriage life, it's feeling a bit withered and dry. 
Or maybe we're in the, they're in the place where they feel like their marriage feels like dead dry bones. That God would breathe his breath of life into them. And I remember hearing from one of the couples who were in the marriage course video. They shared how after years of bad communication that there was this emotional wall that developed between the two of them. And this emotional wall that built between the two of them felt absolutely insurmountable for them. They didn't know how they were going to overcome it. But through help, through friendships, through others, and through the help of God as well, brick by brick, this emotional wall began to become dismantled. And God began to breathe new life into the two of them. God longs to breathe new life. Even in places and relationships that we feel are utterly dead and we're feeling like they're dead dry bones, God wants to bring refreshment and new life into those places. He wants to bring refreshment into your marriages, into your singleness, into your friendships, into your family life, and into your work life as well. Whether you feel like this area is small but meaningful, or large and life-changing, God wants to breathe his spirit of life into those spaces. Where are those spaces for you? Well, because it's Refugee Friendship Month here at 10th, as Leanne talked about earlier, our staff team have had an opportunity to hear some of the stories from our refugee newcomer friends and the transformation that's been going on in their life. I had the opportunity to hear a little bit from one of our refugee newcomer friends named Fatima, or we've changed her name and given her a pseudonym to Fatima just to protect her identity. Fatima has given me permission to share a bit of her story, her testimony with you of ways that God has been breathing new life as a part of our 10th refugee community here. I'd like to read her words to you now. I came to Canada as a refugee five years ago. It has been a very challenging time for me and my family after the collapse of Afghanistan in 2021. We were in a very dark place with so much stress and no way ahead. Things were really difficult for me when I arrived. As a refugee, I was responsible to pay for my own rent and everything from the second week of arriving in Canada. For a long time, I was alone and worked barely making ends meet. Two years after coming to Canada, I started connecting with some friends from 10th Church and shared with some of them my difficulties. Mim and Kristen and others at 10th have been really good in making time to talk with me. They were listening to my ideas about sponsorship and were trying to help me and my family. They also started praying for me to God that things would get easier and we could find a way. I soon learned about the transition houses and support from 10th to the refugee community. And I even referred a couple of families to get housing and support from 10th. They're so happy and fortunate to have all these supports when they are refugees and new to Canada. One day, I was driving by Cultus Lake where we were going to spend the day. We drove by a church near the lake. We were led to stop and to visit the church. This was a very significant moment for me. They were so great in an answer to God's call 
by supporting us with fundraising and referring my family's application to a sponsorship group. What I really learned was that God was saying, I see you, and you should trust me. I will make things happen you never expected. And he did. I'm really happy to let you know that a few weeks ago, my husband's family and their children were able to join us in Canada. It's another way that God has been answering my prayer and has brought new life. The need is so great in the city for refugees. And because I and so many other families experience such help through 10th Church, I hope that more people can receive help too. When God breathes his spirit of life into us, it's for our benefit and to bring us back to life. It's also for the benefit of others. As we are filled with the life of God, we breathe God's life over others when we share that life. We help people in some of their hardest times of need, when they're crying out to God for help. As a church, that's one of the ways that we have been a part of the ways that God has been bringing new life to over 300 refugees in our city. It's meeting them in some of their most basic and important needs. Predominantly among those, friendship, prayer, connection. God longs to bring his new life into us and sometimes through us towards others. Again, whether you feel like the areas where you long for refreshment is small but significant or large and your needs as huge as someone who's new to our country, God longs to breathe new life in you and to you and through you to others as well. Now even though this initial prophecy that Ezekiel spoke was for a group of predominantly refugees living in Babylon, but also the people of Israel who were feeling dry and withered or like dry dead bones. Christians and Jewish scholars and individuals for hundreds of years afterwards, for centuries, have seen that there are more to these words than just a metaphor. That for sure, God longs to bring new life to the metaphorical places of death in our lives. The places where we feel like we need new life. Our marriages, our singleness, our workplaces, our school life, our purpose, among others. God wants to bring new life to those metaphorical places. But there's more. God longs to bring new life to the real places of death as well. That when our final breath leaves our mouth that we will still breathe again when God returns and breathes his spirit of life over our dead, dry bones. Ambrose of Milan was a Roman governor before becoming a Christian and eventually ended up becoming one of the most famous priests and preachers of the fourth century of the early Christian movement. He said these words, it's the prerogative of God to raise the dead. It is the nature of God to bring dead things back to life. It is the character of God to raise the dead. It is God's character and nature to bring dead things back to life. And that's what he wants to do in us now 
and ultimately at the resurrection. This is what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 15 in a famous passage they call the resurrection passage. He says, So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. When Paul says a spiritual body, he doesn't mean an ethereal, intangible body. He means a Holy Spirit body. A body that the Holy Spirit breathes into us and gives us a new, different kind of life than we've known before. He gives us a new life, breathed in, renewed, transformed by the Spirit, who breathes God's new life into us. New life. And we know this is true. We know the truth of Ezekiel's prophecy because it's already begun. 2,000 years before, a man named Jesus died on a Roman cross. In many places and times that might have felt like an insignificant event, a man dying on a Roman cross. But something incredible happened three days later. When God the Father breathed new life over the body of Jesus, bringing his body back to life. What the scriptures call the first fruits of the resurrection. It's the nature of God to bring dead things back to life. And if God can bring the dead back to life, so too he can bring life into your places of felt death. Your workplaces, your marriages, your singleness, your purpose, your school. It's the prerogative of God. It's the nature of God to bring new life. God wants to bring new life into those spaces. And ultimately, it's this hope of resurrection that I rely on knowing that I will one day see my grandmother again. She passed away a few years ago. It's that hope that I rely on that one day I will see our friend and student leader, Evan Chung, again. And I was talking to somebody after the 9 a.m. service who came to me and said, for them, it's the hope that they will see their friend all over again as well. It is the prerogative of God, it's the nature of God to bring new life. And if we can trust in that hope, so true we can trust, so too we can trust in the hope that God wants to bring new life even into the places where you feel dry and withered or like dead dry bones. Where are those spaces for you? Where did you say you long for God to breathe new life into you? Where are they? As we close, I want to invite you to do something with me. Could you extend your hands out in front of you like this and close your eyes? If you would, imagine in your hands that situation, that person, that relationship where you long for new life to come. If it's helpful, you can imagine a word in your hand or a person's face or a situation. Just imagine that in your hand. And in a moment, I'm going to read a passage from Ezekiel 37. 
A passage that just came right after our, our passage that we read earlier. I'm going to speak that over us. And as I speak that passage, I invite you to blow breath, your breath, over your hands. Symbolizing God's desire to bring his breath, his spirit, his new life into that place. Tenth Church, these are God's words for you. Then you, my people, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. God, we thank you that you pour out your spirit to us. You share your very life and breath to us. That you see us in our places of desolation, of dryness, of withering, or even where we feel like we're in the grave. You say that you will raise us up from the grave to new life. God, we trust in that hope. We trust in the hope that one day we will see our loved ones again. I'll see my grandma. I'll see our friend Evan Chung. That one day, even after I breathe my last breath, that once again, God, you will breathe breath into me. And that I will see everyone here who belongs to you. And if we can trust that you will one day take us from literal death to life, so too we can trust in the hope that even today you can breathe your breath of life over us. Take us from the grave and bring us to new life, new hope, and new joy. Amen.